It's Friday night. What places are you heading to for post-work happy hour? Tell us. This podcast is making a best of the best list and needs recommendation for happy hour menus at restaurants in KC. Text us at 816-601-4777. That's 816-601-4777. Standard texting rates apply. UpToDate wants to know what you're talking about with family and friends. You can text UTD to 816-601-4777 to tell us. Again, 816-601-4777. This is UpToDate on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Kansas City Mayor Quinton Lucas joins me now to talk about all the mayhem at Union Station on Wednesday and what kind of progress police are making to apprehend those responsible. Mayor, thanks for taking time with us this morning. Always glad to have you with us. It is great to be with you today. You know, you must be sick about all this after such a great parade on Wednesday. You know, it was a beautiful day. We started the day together here on Up Today. Yes, we We did. We saw hundreds of thousands of Kansas Cityans. And, uh, you know, my heart breaks primarily for the young people. I'll be going to a high school later today, and not a big press event, but just to see how the world has changed since I graduated from high school 22 years ago, which Mm. seems longer all the time. But to, to see what kids live with, what they know. And I think the most arresting thing that I have seen myself and read in other reports is that the kids knew better what to do than all of us grownups do. They knew active shooter drills. They know in America where parades and schools and churches are places where there's a shooting risk. And it's incredibly heartbreaking for all of us. Hmm. Where were you exactly when the shooting began and who were you with? I was inside Union Station. Um, I was actually fairly close to a number of Chiefs players and others. I would call it a VIP section. You hear a noise ring out and then you see people running. And I think you have a very brief, oh, my God, moment. And then we just take off sprinting. I got separated. I had in in my party, my wife and my mother with me. We got separated in the mayhem. Um, I ended up running outside, which was fortunate for me because it went the other direction. Then we ran towards police cars and other emergency equipment. My wife and mother were, were holed up inside, fortunately safe and barricaded. But at that point, conversing with Chiefs players, Chiefs, wives and girlfriends, um, any number of people and a number of children in just a completely horrifying circumstance. Uh, I don't want to live that again. And what I've shared a few times now, and I grew up in some tough neighborhoods in Kansas City, mm-hmm. uh, lived in them until recently. I've never been more scared in my life than I was on wow. Wednesday. And that's something that I think... Uh, is really harrowing for not just me, but probably most people who were there. Wow. How are your wife and mother doing? Shaking up, shaking up a lot. Um, There have been a a decent number of tears. Uh, First things first, you you feel like a terrible person because I, you know, was separated. Right. Fortunately, uh, and I want to thank, there's an officer, KCPD and officer Ferber, who helped them get to safety, and, and I haven't been able to write them or find them yet, but I will. But, no, they're shaken up, and I think primarily because of what this means for our child. Our, my, my son's about three. We have another one on the way, and um, this just doesn't seem right. Hmm. You know, something that I grew up knowing was that for the most part, and, and Kansas City has violence issues. I'm not minimizing it or anything like that, but, you know, when I grew up a few blocks from Prospect and a few other streets, it was usually that – if you avoided trouble, 
trouble didn't come to you. Right. That's what my mom taught me, and that was much of my life. The thing about mass shooting incidents, and I will just say it, the guns that people are talking about, and I'm not getting ahead of the stories, but, but there are photos of AR-15s. Right. There were sounds of, of semi-automatic gunfire. Right. Those were the sorts of things that were around. And when you have those around, it puts all of us at risk, all of us. And so the 1990s advice I got from my mom of, you know what, get home quick, don't get into drugs, don't do this, hang out with the right people. It doesn't seem like that's something that applies to avoiding a mass shooting today in America. And that's something that we all, I think, have to fight to change. You know, two teenagers were in custody yesterday evening. Police are saying that an argument of some kind triggered all this. What more can you tell us this morning about what caused this mass shooting to take off in the way it did? You know, I do think that we need to have um, more discussion about what causes the dispute itself. This, you know, this isn't your traditional bar fight, which is what many of us would think of with a dispute. A lot of the disputes that are facing our community, and, and we'll need to glean more information on this, are ones that stem from sometimes years-long back-and-forth battles between um, rival factions, people who felt disrespected, families, anything under the sun. So that's one part of what I think we need to look at. But to, to be less technical and, frankly, just more real, you know, I, I get my, my negative people and I, I got a percentage of the city that don't like uh, my contribution to public service. And many of them are saying, you know, we've created this society where uh, these folks are, are seeing that there's a revolving door for them and all of that. Maybe that's true, except for juveniles. Mm -hmm. These are these are kids, too. These are kids that, you know, 2020 protests were likely middle schoolers. They aren't people who've been reading the Kansas City Star getting updated and saying, oh, my gosh, I can only get an 18-month sentence for this or that. Right. So the real thing we need to look at is actually where is the tremendous failure in their lives? And before people jump on it, I hate debates like this. There are so many people who are either or. But my thing is this. Yes, we need to invest in particularly the lives of so many of our young boys in our cities. But the guns are also a problem. If there were not semi-automatic weapons, not that many people would have been hit, full stop. Yeah. And if there were a way that we had intervened in the lives of 10 and 11-year-olds so that we were training them, teaching them how to handle conflict, what to avoid, doing the very thing that my mom was telling me in the 1990s, then we might have a woman alive today, and we might have said, wow, what a cool parade, and we'd be giggling about Travis Kelsey singing country music. Yeah. And that's where I think we need to go as a city going forward. You know, Mayor, I'm struck by Governor Parsons' comments. He's going to join us later on in this program. After the shooting, he said, we can't let some thugs and criminals just take over and ruin what happened. I gather that's not quite your assessment of what happened that day. I have respect for the governor. Uh, we get along well. I, I disagree strongly with uh, how he would describe that situation. I, I certainly do think this was criminal activity. It was lawlessness, and I think that uh, that's troubling. But thugs is a dog whistle in the most classic sense, and I have seen this dog whistle time and again. There's this kind of giant conservative theory on social media now that the reason that monk shots haven't been shown is because the purported defendants are black, and if it were a white defendant, we would have just shown them. That is absolutely preposterous. There are protections to juveniles. Our city has a gun violence problem. I, I'm concerned with gun violence committed by blacks, whites, Latinos, anybody under the sun. I grieve for victims, the majority of whom, by the way, were black in this city last year of yeah. gun violence. 
And when you have semi-automatic gunfire, when you have weapons of war that are able to kill and injure and maim lots of people, including, what is it, nine children? then I think it is fair for us to say that that is an issue that needs to be discussed rather than just acting like, you know, what the heck, it's just a few bad yeah. people. We had 850 cops out there the other day. We had, uh, I mean, dozens and dozens and dozens of cameras and snipers and, and anything under the sun. And none of that stopped and anything. None of it stopped it. Are you anticipating further arrests here, Mayor? I think there is an active investigation. I, uh, I, I think when you look at the, the volume of shots, it would stand to reason that perhaps there is more involvement. And I think KCPD will continue to do this, this work. But, um, you know, I think what's going to solve this long term for us is a realistic conversation about, about the guns that are killing our community, my community. It, it's why I could feel safer in 1999 living on a street where people actually did get killed than I did the other day outside of Union Station. And I think we have to have a real conversation about, yeah, I'm, I'm a man who proposed a 30% pay increase for PD, mm-hmm. but how about a 30% pay increase for social workers in this community? Yeah, A 30% increase in their total number so that middle school kids actually are raised in some way to know how to address violence. You know, you're mentioning, conflict. you're mentioning some gun control matters here. You got an ordinance passed a year or two ago that bars the transfer of firearms and ammunition to minors without permission from the minor's parent or guardian, as well as, you know, the idea of discharging firearms in the city. Why wasn't that ordinance enough to stop this and how effective has that law proved to be? I think the question is always about how much enforcement are we doing? What I look forward to having a conversation with KCPD about is how often are we signing some of these ordinances, and if we are not, then why not? We have passed ordinances since I became mayor relating to the possession of firearms by domestic violence offenders, the possession of firearms by minors, and I think that uh, thus far they have rarely been used or invoked. It is one thing, and I hear it all the time, to, to wax poetic about what different things a county prosecutor might or might not do. And by the way, I've talked to her a number of times this week and have great respect for her and her service. But it's another thing not in certain ways to use the tools that are at the disposal of law enforcement to get guns out of the hands of people who would do harm in our community. Well, if that's the case, Mayor, why would any further laws uh, out of Jefferson City have any impact if the laws we have right now aren't being enforced? Because Republicans are already raising that issue. Yeah, I mean, if you use that logic, then you shouldn't have laws against fentanyl, speeding, anything under the sun. I mean, you you have a, a criminal enforcement regime so that you can use it. Now, if they're not being enforced, I would actually suggest that's another argument for local control of the police to make sure that every municipal ordinance, even if it enters into the gun space, is one that is getting followed up as quickly as possible. As you know, I'm a one-fifth vote on that board, but nonetheless, that's something that I will continue to push. I think council and mayor in this city are trying to say in every way possible, we will do all we can to get guns out of the hands of people. But on the uh, why do we need laws in Jefferson City, the problem right now is that Jefferson City has made lawful the possession of firearms in any number of places. And it's how we end up with young men in some situations with an AR-15 concealed in their pants. And pulling them out in certain situations. Mayor, I'm running a little short of time. Let me just hit two quick points with you here. What does this say about our ability to hold the next parade when the Chiefs win the Super Bowl next year? 
I think I'm going to be a realist about it. And there's part of me that says we can never do a parade again. It all needs to be at Arrowhead Stadium, but that's preposterous. We're going to have a St. Patrick's Day parade in a month. We're going to continue to have community events. We'll have security there. But I think all of us, parents, regular people, friends, families, will be more concerned. I think we will get back to a normalcy, but the new normalcy in America is absolutely, for lack of a better term, all messed up that we have to fear for our lives and potential shootings in any event in the future. Okay. And Mayor, do you have a message for Governor Parson, who again will be joining us in about 10 minutes? St. Louis and Kansas City have the highest black homicide rate in the, I'm sorry, the state of Missouri has the highest black homicide rate in the country. We are losing generations of black men. What will we do to stop it? Yeah. That's my question. Yeah. And that's something that I think we have the power to do. That's Kansas City, Missouri Mayor Quinton Lucas. Mayor, sure appreciate your time. I'm glad your family's safe and uh, always appreciate you spending, spending a little time with us. Thank you. And God be with all of you. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Congressman Emanuel Cleaver watched from his Washington, D.C. office all the events of Wednesday back in his hometown. In a statement, the longtime congressman noted that while he was praying for members of his community, the last thing that's needed is prayer without purpose or thoughts without action, which he said are far too commonplace in the halls of power. To those who offer prayers without action, the congressman added, we don't need them. Congressman Cleaver joins us now from Washington. Congressman, always good to have you. Thank you for your time. Good to be with you. You know, as a former Kansas City mayor and a congressman since 2005 representing this city in the halls of Congress, what was it like for you to watch what unfolded at Union Station on Wednesday afternoon? It was extremely painful because this was a high water uh, mark uh, for us in Kansas City. We we were uh, celebrating a Super Bowl and, and only one, one uh, city... <laughs> Uh, on the planet uh, would have that opportunity each year. And so we had the attention of the whole world, frankly, uh, centered on us in Kansas City. Uh, I was here and uh, I had uh, walked down on the floor uh, with my Kansas City Chiefs garb on, including my cap, knowing that it was against the rules. Uh, But I went down, uh, you know, to walk across the floor uh, with a great deal of pride and and when I got to the other side, uh, I mean, there was some booing uh, going on from my colleagues, good-natured <laughs> booing, I have got to add. Uh, and so, I, I, you know, I was elated and uh, very proud that we were having this uh, uh, this gigantic parade. And then um, I, I received a phone call from my wife, and hmm. uh, all those feelings of great joy went down. How big of a setback is this for Kansas City? Well, it looked ugly. Uh, remember, in 1933, uh, Pretty Boy Floyd killed four people uh, in, Union, in front of Union Station. That's right. Uh, and and so we have the, we have the third largest uh, uh, Union Station in the country, uh, and then we have these two ugly moments uh, at Union Station. Uh, and so uh, you know, it, it hurt our image a little. But I, I, you know, I think when I talk, speak to my colleagues. Uh, from other cities, they're all saying the same thing, and that is that we've got to do more. Hmm. Uh, we usually would have somebody come on the floor and say, uh, "Once you, uh, th- uh, we we pray to give our thoughts and prayers to the people of Kansas City," and I refused to do it. Uh, I went to the floor with uh, Sharice Davids, 
uh, and uh, Congressman Alpert mm-hmm. and uh, Joanne Emerson, and I, I, uh, I, uh, I didn't even want to speak, uh, so I just talked about what had happened in Kansas City and walked off the floor. You know, Congressman, I'm, I'm, you are a man of the cloth. We all know that. And again, you said the other evening after the shootings that you don't want prayer without action. Tell us about that. What were you thinking about in that moment? Well, it's so easy to stand on the floor and say, we, our, our prayers are with you. Uh, it's infinitely more difficult to go and make something happen. Now, uh, you know, we, we have a lot of legislation uh, that uh, that is introduced primarily by Democrats, uh, but we've had, we were able to get the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act uh, signed into law, which uh, is not is not the zenith of, of, of the direction we need to travel, but we were able to get $750 million for uh, state crisis intervention programs. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes people call them red flag laws. Uh, it closed the boyfriend loop. Uh, it tightened uh, the definition of federally licensed firearm dealers. Uh, and $250 million for community violence uh, uh, intervention programs. Uh, and some money for mental health. Uh, but uh, we got as much as we could get and that's in, in a democracy where, where uh, you know, compromise has to always be made. You, in my pol- political philosophy is that you get as much as you can at that moment mm-hmm. and then uh, move again later to get more. So we've been able to get something done. But look, uh, you know, uh, in the 14th chapter of the book of Genesis for those, those people uh, here in Washington uh, who claim to be uh, and probably are a great, uh, you know, religious people, uh, Moses is standing in front of the Red Sea uh, with uh, thousands of uh, of uh, Jewish people, Hebrew people behind him, and he falls down his knees to get to pray. And the the the, the uh, Hebrew Testament says at that point God spoke to Moses and told him he was sick and tired of him praying, hmm. uh, and you get up and go do something. And so um, I, I think that that's where I am. Uh, I, I will not stay in the chamber not one additional time. Uh, for people to come out after a mass shooting. We've had many since I've been here. Right. Uh, they, let's have uh, our prayers and thoughts are with you. That is that is empty uh, and in many ways disingenuous. So, so, Congressman, if you would, bottom line it for me then, in the wake of the mass shooting in Kansas City, do you expect Congress to pass any gun-related measures in the wake of what happened here? No, they'll pass by the newsroom on their way to the uh, cafeteria to eat. But that's close as we're going to get to ha- passing something. Uh, it, that, that it's it, you know with the, the the situation the way it is currently constructed in Congress, uh, there will be nothing done. Now there may be some bills introduced. I may even introduce a bill, uh, but it's for a message only. People realize that the uh, speaker is the only one on the on the planet who can c- call a bill to the floor, uh, contrary to what a lot of people believe. So introducing a bill. Uh, means nothing unless the speaker uh, uh, calls it to the floor for for a vote. Mm-hmm. And uh, this speaker will not do that. Uh, and so uh, we'll have some people who want to pray and, and uh, you know, do, do a little chatter on the on, on the edges. Right. But in terms of significant uh, legislation, that's not going to happen. You know, the mayor uh, was just on and he said that uh, he believes that AR-15 assault style weapons were used in this mass shooting. 
given that, is there any type of gun control measure that might have a better prospect in the House of Representatives than others? Would an assault weapons ban work? Would background checks have a better shot? Do you have any feel for that? Uh, you know, uh, we had, a, uh, as you know, a, 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 an assault weapons ban during my term as right. mayor. I had nothing to do with it, but uh, Bill Clinton was able to get that that through. The The problem that the president, uh, the error that the president made is that he had a sunset provision. Uh, and I think he probably did that only because that was the way he was going to be able to get the votes. Yeah, uh, He had a 10-year sun, uh, sunshine provision. Uh, and since then, we've had a number of bills trying to get that started again. Uh, I think the only way that's going to happen is if, um, well, I, I don't want to get too political on a radio show, but I, I think un, uh, unless the Democrats control the White House, the Senate, and the House, uh, that's not just, just not going to happen. And we need to quit trying to fool ourselves, talking about, you know, what we need to do now is read more books about love and, uh, you know, to hug, we need to have yeah. hugging uh, fest, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's, we, we need the laws and those guns, uh, were, were manufactured to kill humans, not squirrels, not Bambi out in the forest, but right. human beings. Do you and think, we, you think Wednesday shooting is going to have a chilling effect on this city's ability to hold a future Super Bowl or world series parades or world cups? Well, you know, uh, for the last couple of days, I've been talking with my colleagues and they've been talking to me and others. And, and uh, you know, people are saying, you know, this may cause us to have to rethink uh, parades. And there was one particular member who told me that uh, that he is in four or five uh, July 4th parades. And uh, he just said, now I'm going to be looking over my shoulder if, I, if, if they have the parades. It does damage. I think there will be people who will say, if we won the Super Bowl next year, some that there would be some people saying, I, you know, I don't want to go out there. Let's watch it on television. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it's I mean, that's just that's a human response, uh, you know, trying to, to stay out of harm's way. Uh, I, I think it is relatively safe. We had and, and well, just in say, 10 so, seconds, uh, Congressman, do you think it'll have a chilling effect on our ability to hold big events like this in the future? It's going to it's going to create nervousness. Yeah. And yeah. there may be people who won't come. Um, and we had a lot of law enforcement people there. Absolutely. The attorney general told me that he had a lot of FBI agents there that were there before the uh, the shooting, uh, just as a part of every big event where the FBI is now present, uh, undercover, of course. Right. Well, that's Missouri Congressman Emanuel Cleaver from Kansas City. Congressman, appreciate your time very much. Sure. Good to be with you. We'll be right back. Now we continue our conversation about the aftermath of Wednesday's mass shooting with Missouri Governor Mike Parson, who was at Union Station Wednesday, and he addressed the crowd there as well. Governor, always appreciate you taking some time with us. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me on, Steve. I appreciate it. Tell us where you were when the shooting began and how you reacted in that moment. Uh, we, we were actually right at the stage, right behind the stage. Uh, people were exiting the stage where we, where we were at, and... Uh, a lot of people around there, you know, music, uh, confetti machines, all kinds of stuff kind of going on. And uh, my security detail uh, right away knew that there was gunfire. Uh, they heard the shots. Uh, Kansas City PD responded immediately, started running towards the scene. You know, my guys grabbed me and the first lady, took us out to the vehicles and got us out of there as soon as possible. Uh 
And that all happened within just a matter of seconds. I, I mean, you know, I, I was in that business a long time, but the response that KCPD, the emergency personnel, the highway patrol, everybody involved, <clears throat> including the private citizens, uh, I mean, couldn't ask any more of all of them. It's just a shame uh, of what happened. You know, consider it was just a, a day that should have been a celebration, and right. just a few people just ruins it for everybody. You know, Governor, we just had uh, Mayor Lucas on the program, and he's indicating now that the juveniles uh, uh, who were involved with this were carrying AR-15 assault weapons. Again, we're talking about kids under the age of 18. You know, this community, as you well know, is badly shaken in the wake of what happened here Wednesday. There's a lot of nervous people, and people want to know what kind of response might they expect from your office, from the General Assembly uh, in Jeff City. What can you tell us? today yeah I, I look steve i i think everybody wants to you know kind of go to gun violence you know the, the political side of this but, but here's what i'll tell you juveniles have no business carrying ak-47s around parade around the people that were there that should not be happening and there's a huge difference between that and me taking my grandson out to go quail hunt uh and i think we've got to realize that number one but look, they don't have any business doing that. They've violated the law. They've committed a homicide. And needless to say, all the other assaults, aggravated assaults that's involved in this, but they need to be held accountable. I, I You know, look, I hate it because they're, they're juveniles. But at the end of the day, you're making adult decisions, so you've got to be considered accountable for what you did. I don't think there's any question about that. Would laws help? You know, just last year, House Republicans uh, in the Capitol in Jeff City voted down a law that would have made it illegal for minors to possess firearms in public. People up here would be comforted by laws like that. And yet, would would something like that help in your view? Yeah, I I don't think there's nothing in the world wrong with having these discussions of what happened with these minors. And honestly, you're seeing that all over, just just not Kansas City, all over the country. Uh, people are doing these kind of crimes. And, and I think it's much more than a gun, I'll be honest with you, uh, because I think we have allowed people to commit crimes with no accountability. And that doesn't matter whether you're shoplifting, whether you're stealing, <clears throat> whether you're taking over community blocks, whether it's drag race. I mean, you can go on down the list of what's going on and not Kansas City, or St. Louis, I'm talking about Chicago, Philadelphia, New York, El Paso, Dallas, Seattle, anywhere that they have the strictest gun laws in the nation, they continue to have the same problems. And I think part of the root of that problem is you have to discuss the idea, the, the how are we going to make these people accountable so they don't ever begin to go down that road? Well, what's your answer uh, to that, Governor? How do you make them accountable? Well, I can only go back to the days. I, let me just go back to the days when I was sheriff. And right. I'll talk from real experience. People didn't want to go to jail. People wouldn't want to go to jail. I mean, anybody, the, the average person out there didn't want to spend time in jail. They just sure didn't want to go to prison. Now we're not putting very many people in jail. I mean, we're either not doing bonds or, and, and I realized there was some things in there that needed to be addressed. But I think we tipped the scales too far the other way. A lot of people say our jails and prisons are full these days to capacity, even here in Missouri. Uh, Well, they're not here in Missouri. I don't know who's telling you that because we had 36,000 people in prison when I first come here, and there's only 24,000 people today. Hmm. So I'm not sure that one's right. Uh, But 
anyhow, the, the point I'm making, I think we all know, we see from all different areas where these crimes are happening, nobody's really being held accountable for them, or, or they're releasing them the next day. You know, I mean, there's got to be a deterrent, and I think when you start doing it, uh, uh, those uh, uh, minor things, I guess, or major things, however you look at it, but if there is no accountability, especially to, I want to say, young people, you know, you're going to keep escalating, and I think we see that all the time. You know, the mayor yeah, here I, is calling for actions. I'm excuse me. The mayor here is calling for actions that go beyond accountability. He's talking about wraparound services, more social workers, and and he wonders. He points out that we have the highest black homicide rate, uh, one of the highest in the country here, and he wants to know what will you do about that. Well, I don't think any question whether it's St. Louis or Kansas City. We've tried to do different things, work with the African American community. Uh, I mean, you look at Reverend Miles up there in Kansas City. We've worked with him on different occasions. You look at uh, the Urban League in St. Louis, where we're trying to put mental health resources in the African-American communities. We're trying to find witness protection programs that we can help people to go in and testify against one another. Uh, that we do. Those, those are just some, uh, very few, but I mean, I think we have done a lot since I've been governor, and I, I'm not there to boast about that, but you know, there's nobody knows probably as a governor's seat about crime and what I do. But Steve, you cannot do the same thing we continue to do and expect a different result. But if, why if you can't really don't you know Missouri? Missouri governor has the some of the loosest firearm restrictions and laws in the country. Um, why not rethink that? Because what we have doesn't seem to be working in the two big cities. But, Steve, I would also tell you, Chicago's got the strictest gun laws in the nation, and they lead the nation in homicides. So, I mean, you got you got to have a real conversation about what is the root problem, because you know their laws are not working by no means. So, you know, ask the same questions both ways. I mean, what is the core root of people feeling it's okay to go out and kill people? Mm-hmm. You know, that's not normal. And your response and, and, is more incarceration. You think that would have a chilling effect? I, I think trying to make sure it doesn't happen before it happens. I, I think uh, whatever, whatever those things we can do to prevent it. But I think what is the root problem? Why are people, and I'll say young people because we're kind of talking about it in this instance, but what's driving them to even think they can go buy guns at 13, 14, 15 years old and kill people? That I mean, that's the thing that we ought to be figuring out. Why is that happening? You know, this is just not simply they just decide one day to get up, I'm going to go kill somebody. Mm-hmm. I mean, there is a issue in our society today that I think, and I don't, I don't have all the answers, Steve. If I did, I'd be doing, I'd fix it tomorrow if I could. But I, I think it's a bigger issue than just saying who buys guns and who doesn't buy guns. I, I just I mean that I, I'm not sure there can't be changes made. I'm not sure everything we can't address things, but you got to figure out how to make people accountable. And, and just to wrap up, in the short term, you're saying don't expect more gun control laws out of Jefferson City this session, even in the wake of this tragedy up here. Yeah, I, I would probably say no. I mean, I think the other thing too, as terrible as this is, you know, I, I don't like the nation or anybody looking at us like this happens all the time. Uh, you know, because it doesn't. This is the first time it's ever happened in an event like this, uh, as far as I know, in the country. So do I think this is going to continue to happen over and over? I do not. I, I believe that it won't happen. You know, it's just unfortunate that you really had people yesterday, the way I understood it, or, or at the 
parade, they were actually shooting at one another is mm-hmm. what they were doing. And you had a crowd of so many people that everybody was getting shot because they're having a shootout in front of a million people. It's just it's just sad for everybody. And, and uh, I don't know what happens up here in Jeff City. I'm not going to speak for the legislative branch, but... Right. Yeah, we we just have to see what happens in the future. But I, I tell you, I think it's a bigger issue um, than just the guns. That's Missouri Governor Mike Parson. Governor, thank you for sharing your views. It's appreciated. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Dave. You bet. This is Up to Date on KCUR 89.3. I'm Steve Kraske. Kansas State Representative Mary Lynn Poskin was just wrapping up a fun day at the Chiefs Victory Parade with her husband when gunfire erupted outside Union Station. Poskin, a Democrat who represents Leewood in, in Johnson County, is here to tell us about her experience that day and how this tragedy has impacted her. Representative, thank you for t- taking some time. Nice to see you here. Yeah, well, thanks for having me. It's not great to be here for this reason. Um, you know, I almost declined because I knew that my experience at the parade, as scary as it was, wasn't comparing comparable to those who are in more imminent danger, who got separated from the children or were injured or killed. My heart is deeply grieving for our community, especially our yeah, children, sure. who shouldn't have to live this way. But before we continue, I do want to express my deep gratitude for the first responders. They were absolutely outstanding. We've heard that a lot the last few yeah, days. They yeah. were. You were at the parade again with your husband, David, as a sort of Valentine's Day present. Tell us how you spent that day before everything took a turn for the worse. Oh, Steve, it was incredible. It was just one of the best days of our lives. It's a beautiful. It was beautiful. Day. Yeah. Everybody was joyous. We were celebrating. Uh, people were wonderful and kind to each other. And the spirit of the city was on display for the world to see. Um, I, I mean, I don't know how to explain it any better than that. What did you do when you realized you were in the middle or near an active shooting? So uh, my husband and I had just departed the area where the shooting happened, and we were in the bathrooms on the first floor of Union Station. Inside the station. Mm -hmm. We were inside the station, and you know, everybody's just talking, waiting in line patiently. You know, wonderful day, and all of a sudden there was a surge of human beings into the bathroom, and they just pushed us back into the back wall. And I was actually pushed down, and another woman fell on top of me, and you know, somebody was straddled over me, and I was face to face with three little girls girls who were terrified and, you know, looked at me and said, why does this always have to happen? Mm. And, you know, they asked me if they were going to be safe. And of course, I lied through my teeth and said, absolutely, I will keep you safe. Uh, So that was terrifying. And then just as and my husband was on the men's side, which was on the other side of the wall. And as quickly as those people surged in, uh, armed police came in and shouted, evacuate, evacuate. And they people started running backwards out of the restroom. And um, in my my husband is disabled in a wheelchair full time. So they were, you know, in my face telling me to evacuate. I said, I will not leave without my husband. Yeah. And he was in the handicap restroom, which uh, his experience on that side is that a father and several children barged into the stall when he was in it to hide behind the toilet. So then we were evacuated. And, you know, I've worked in higher ed for 20 plus years where we've had active shooter drills all the time. And you know, one of the things that was interesting is like they shouted at us to run down the stairs, but we couldn't with the wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And they told us that the elevator was on lockdown. So it was rattling and terrifying. I think the worst part of the experience was the huddled families, parents wow. and their children who, you know, were just terrified. You know, for your husband, David, uh, confined to a wheelchair, that must have been a special brand of terror attached to something like that. It was. And it, you know, we take 
you know, the fact that he's in a wheelchair with stride and really it doesn't affect our lives all of that much. But it became apparent that, you know, he is going to be at a greater danger if when this happens again. I mean, that's what we trained in higher ed. It's not if, it's when. And when it happens again, you're already anticipating the mm -hmm. next time. Yeah. You know, so often politicians and elected officials are separated from the everyday person, but you're a community member too, Representative. How did Wednesday's events impact you and your family, do you think, as you look back on it? Well, you know, I'm the mother of seven children and grandmother of three. And of course, um, they're spread over the country. And as an Air Force brat growing up, I have friends and family all over the country. And people were terrified for our safety. And in my own community, I have a constituent who has already shared her text messages with her husband when they lost their child for a couple of moments. Um, my community has been, uh, since the very first door I knocked on in 2019, been calling for common sense gun safety legislation. It's not new. Um, I have had an outpouring of emails uh, with stories of my constituents, how they were affected and what they want me to do in the Kansas legislature. What do you expect the Kansas legislature to do this session? How will it address what happened Wednesday in Kansas City? They won't. Straight up. Point blank. Point blank. They will not. You know, why are you so certain? Well, because there's a Republican supermajority of NRA A rated candidates and you know, it's um, that simple. It's that simple. Um, in fact, I almost threw up when we gaveled in yesterday on the House floor because the Speaker Pro Tem, who's one of the lead sponsors of um, House Concurrent Resolution 5020, um, that would change our Constitution regarding the right to bear arms to include the right to bump stocks, high capacity magazines, armor piercing ammunition, etc., opened the uh, session, Thor session with thoughts and prayers. Hmm. What do you say to critics? You know, Governor Parson was just on uh, the show, obviously the governor of Missouri representative. He says, you know, pretty much point blank that these laws won't have much impact. And I should point out that Mayor Lucas passed an ordinance just a year or two ago that would have outlawed uh, minors from possessing these guns, adults passing these things on to their kids. You know, so what about that? You know, how effective would laws be? Well, I'm a Moms Demand Gun Sense candidate, and every town has evidence-based best practices. And, um, you know, like I said, the demand from my constituency to pass common sense gun safety regulations isn't new. Like I said, I started in 2019 knocking doors. And then in 2021, when our Kansas legislature lowered the concealed carry age to 18. Um, and then in 22, um, after Uvalde, my church, Church of the Resurrection, asked its members who who are concerned about gun safety to email their elected officials with what they considered to be common sense bipartisan efforts to reduce gun violence. And with the exception of increased mental health funding, every single ask in that email in 2022 is a no-no on the NRA political victory um, fund Kansas rating questionnaire. Okay. Everyone. So you're saying pushing for this won't result in any laws being passed. Given that, how will Democrats in Kansas respond to what happened here Wednesday? Should we expect some sort of coordinated, unified effort going forward? Well, I will tell you that my answer is the same today as it has been since I was elected. We need to help the legislature stop the bad bills and break the supermajority so we can sustain a governor's veto of bad legislation. And there's huge efforts being made on that front this year. It's an election year and Absolutely. high hopes for de from Democrats Absolutely. that the supermajority will be broken. Absolutely. Johnson County is the nexus for this change. Um, every single member of the Kansas legislature is up for re-election in 2024. Right. 
And I urge everybody who wants something to be done about this to research and support Gun Sense candidates with your time, talent, and treasure. Okay, given that, do you expect Democrats to make a unified push even this session, even though you're saying it's pointless? Oh, we will. Oh, we Mm -hmm. will make the points and we will ask for votes to be recorded. Um, You know, one of the things that I hope people will do is research their candidates in 2024. But that's getting harder. Folks who have absolutely supported um, loosening gun regulations in Kansas, especially in Johnson County, are not signing on to uh, like the amendment, the proposed amendment. We've got Majority Leader Croft who didn't sign on to it. Representative Turner, folks that lost or won their elections by less than a couple hundred votes in 2020. 22, do your research and know who those candidates are. So basically what you're saying to us, uh, Representative Poskin, is that the political dynamics in Jefferson City and Topeka when it comes to gun control type issues are virtually identical. I do. And I also refer to them as gun safety measures. I grew up in an NRA household. I am a gun owner myself. And what we're talking here is about common sense public safety legislation. Yeah, We're not going after anybody's guns. So what do you think's next on this issue going forward? What can we expect in the next week or two out of Topeka on this issue? Well, I mean, we already started with thoughts and prayers, and I expect um, it to be very much the same. Uh, I will tell you that uh, gun sense candidates, and we do have some moderate Republicans who have supported or voted against some of the worst uh, gun legislation that's come out in the last couple of years. But those who care about gun safety, we are going to be public, and we are going to get out there and make sure that people know who the candidates are that we need to elect in 2024. That's Kansas State Representative Mary Lynn Poskin. She's a Democrat from Leewood. Thanks for coming in and talking about I'm glad to see you're okay. Sorry about what happened on Wednesday. Thank you so much. You bet. Up to date is a production of KCUR 89.3. The program is produced by Zach Wilson, Elizabeth Ruiz, Claudia Brancard, and Hallie Jackson. Our intern is Lauren Texter. Paul Nakatura works our board. The theme music was composed by the great Bobby Watson. I'm Steve Kraske. Thanks for listening.